T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Maybe this is a short-term, a short-term event as we go into spring and summer and we don't have as intense storms. Uh, you know, the lack of ice cover on the lake might also mean there's more evaporation during the winter time. So maybe that'll drive lowering the lake level. That's the voice of Steve Brown, chief scientist of the Illinois State Geological Survey, Prairie Research Institute. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Kodu. This week, we're discussing Great Lakes water levels. The latest six-month forecast predicts Lake Michigan and Lake Huron will rise above historic 1986 highs. It's threatening houses, buildings, and shoreline all across the area. First, we're going to bring on WBBM's Mike Krauser. Mike has been covering this story for many years. He has seen the impact of rising lake levels firsthand, especially in northwest Indiana. Uh, Mike, as you've been covering this and talking with people, learning a lot about what's going on, begin by just giving us a thumbnail sketch of what you've learned. Well, what we've really seen is the incredible destructive force that uh, that water has. Um, Beverly Shores, a uh, very hard-hit area, Long Beach, Indiana, hard-hit, all along the uh, the Michigan shoreline where there are large bluffs. The Portage Lakefront, Portage, Indiana, uh, breached a big sand dune there. The, the sand is just gone, um, and there's a visitor center there that is now surrounded on three sides by water. If you go a little further to the east in Beverly Shores, there was a sloping grade going down from Lakefront Drive to the lake, maybe 60, 80 feet away, and much of that has just been eaten away. So you've got a gigantic sand dune that is just not there anymore. It is now a cliff. Uh, if you go further uh, into um, uh, to Long Beach, Indiana, same sort of issues that they're having there uh, where sand dunes have just been carved out by these waves, and now you have cliffs along the uh, shoreline and a completely changed beach. And these are areas that are major tourist attractions, so is there slowly but surely wiped away? That has to really be an impact on the economy and a worry for the leaders. There is a lot of concern about that. Uh, we were talking about that with an Indiana state senator the other day about, you know, you've got the new national park, what used to be the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, now the Indiana Dunes National Park. Uh, if there's not any beach there, are people going to come? Because the beach is a big draw. Uh, now, along the, la- the National Lakeshore, uh, which Beverly Shores is part of, uh, there is still plenty of beach there, but there are areas where the road is uh, is threatened because it's now sitting perched on a cliff of sand that's also very wet. And so there's water coming out of the sand, and the sand just sort of oozes. And there's concern, you know, they put rate, weight restrictions uh, on vehicles and speed restrictions because they don't want too much rumbling on the pavement, uh, especially in Beverly Shores, because they think it's just, it, it could actually cause the road to collapse. And now underneath the, the road, you have... Uh, gas lines and power lines so utilities would be threatened and some homes would be cut off from sewer gas and electric if this road were to give way 
And for the most part, whether we're talking about beaches or sand dunes or even people's homes, it's sounding like all they can do is just sort of stand by and watch it happen. It really doesn't seem like there's any way to counteract this. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a friend of mine who has a home up in Coloma, which is by St. Joe, Michigan. It sits in this beautiful spot on a bluff, uh, probably 80 feet above the lake. And in the last five years, he has shelled out a small fortunes to build two seawalls that no longer exist. These are iron pilings pounded into the sand and, and concrete and steel that was holding back the wall. Well, that wall has, uh, has eroded to the point where part of the lawn is gone now above. And there is, again, there's this oozing of water coming out of this unstable surface above it. There's another home in Stevensville, Michigan. We reported on a couple weeks ago, a $1.5 million uh, home. Uh, is it, it was appraised six months ago. It's going to have to be torn down. They've lost about 60 feet of their land, and there is now air underneath a portion of that home. And if the home falls in, the homeowner said it was going to cost well over $100,000 because they would be on the hook for getting all that debris out of the lake. Now, as we've covered this over the years, yes, we have really high lake levels now, but there have also been these periods in the not-too-distant past where we've had these really low lake levels. So is that causing even a greater challenge because people see the high lake levels now, they're trying to prepare for that, do anything that they can, but a few years down the line it may be an exact opposite problem. Well, and a lot of people are saying that they're saying, you know, it's we we remember the 80s uh, when it was when it was last this high and uh, it was not uh, what, six, seven, eight years ago um, that it was at historic lows. And so people had much more lakefront property uh, than uh, they had on their deeds. And uh, so there are fluctuating levels, and it does go up and down with time. Um, there are some who say it may not go down as much as uh, as it uh, as it may have in the past um, because of global warming. You touched on the fact that you talked with someone who's going to be on the hook if their house ends up in the lake. Is that what you're hearing from residents, that they're sort of on their own? They're, there's no sort of programs to help them pay for this. It's just insurance and everything else is out of their pockets. Well, there are efforts all over. I mean, all these little municipalities um, all around the lakefront have declared emergencies. And what they're hoping is to get emergency declarations from the governors of, of Wisconsin, of Illinois, and of Indiana. And if they can get those, they can get uh, homeland security funds that could be used for these very pricey fixes. Right now, there was a guy in Michigan who told me the other day that there are 40 to 60 big trucks run rumbling by on the uh i think it's the red arrow highway every single day carrying boulders from indiana and from wisconsin and these are being used sometimes by homeowners who are shelling out the money out of their own pockets and trying to protect their property that way but also municipalities are trying different things and in uh, beverly shores we saw it a uh, really interesting experiment they put these things in called sand traps which are large fabric um, enclosures that hold sand and rock and they they put a whole succession of these things along the area that this is most threatened and another storm came through a few days later and half of that was wiped out so they had to start the work over again um, so the lake is really I mean this it water is incredibly powerful in many cases these homes have been in families for generations so 
uh, that's got to just add to this, just, just a sa- the sadness of people seeing so much of their family's history going away. There is a lot of that. And there's, you know, I mean, even in situations where they haven't lost it yet, but maybe they've lost their driveway and they've lost 20 feet and the house may be set way back away. Um, but these homes that, that once many years ago were set very far away from the lake are suddenly much closer today. Mike Krauser has covered the entire Lake Michigan area, Michigan, Indiana, here in Illinois, and also Wisconsin for WBBM. Let's zero in now on one specific area. That's the Wisconsin shoreline north of the border. Since 2014, the lake has risen nearly six feet, going from a record low to now a record high. Adam Beckley is joining us from Madison, Wisconsin. Adam is Coastal Engineering Outreach Specialist at Wisconsin Sea Grant, and he is obviously keeping an eye on that Wisconsin lakeshore. A lot of people living in Great Lakes states are not aware of what's going on along the shoreline, so help them to understand what's going on. The Great Lakes are right now pretty much across the board at or very near their record water levels. The Great Lakes water levels fluctuate with changes in long-term precipitation and temperature temperature changes. Um, Lake Michigan itself has about a 6.4-foot range from its all-time low to its all-time high. And so being at the top of that range has brought water very close to uh, the coast, close to infrastructure. It's causing flooding and causing erosion when there's when there's storms that produce waves. So uh, right now, we're we're kind of at historic times in terms of the issues that are that are facing the Great Lakes coast. Talk about the challenge of high water levels when it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about low water levels in Lake Michigan. Yeah, I think that is one of the big challenges with the Great Lakes in general is is fluctuations and sometimes you know properties change hands when water levels are low and and new. New folks on the coast don't even know what the lakes are capable of. So there's definitely that sort of institutional or property level memory um, that can be a challenge, um, just kind of understanding where the lakes could go. Another challenge with the water levels being low and then coming up to being very high is just how the shoreline responds to, to that from going low to high. And in the low water level periods, generally think our you know coastlines aren't getting eroded and things like that but one thing that can happen is uh, with the water level low it can cause erosion of the lake bed and what that does is remove material off uh, sort of in the near shore um, making the water a little bit deeper so that when the water levels come back up uh, the waves are traveling over deeper water and, and waves break in shallower water so if the water at the near shore area gets deepened uh, waves can start to hit the shoreline with more energy so that's one of those those things you wouldn't think would would happen if if, uh, if you don't kind of understand the whole cycle from low to high that is the situation in wisconsin let's turn back here to illinois things have been rough especially for some residents of rogers park they've actually had whole beaches shut down so they can't access the beach rachel pearson has been covering that for wbbm City officials pulled the plug on Rogers Avenue and Howard Park beaches because... There is no beach area left. The Chicago Department of Transportation says the lakefront erosion is beyond repair and will replace all sand with rocks. All of our beaches are covered in rocks and stones and we don't even have 
water access anymore. While some Rogers Park residents are sad to lose the beach, others are more concerned about preserving their homes. Yeah, a lot of people are aggravated and say, oh, you're taking the beaches away, but I mean, would they rather have you know, the whole shoreline erode. Uh, there's been a lot of property damage, people losing their, their porches, their doorways. Beaches are literally disappearing because of the rising lake levels. Let's take a deep dive into what's happening along the Illinois lakeshore. Steve Brown is here. He is chief scientist of the Illinois State Geological Survey, Prairie Research Institute. Steve is based at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Steve, let's begin with just a thumbnail sketch. What is happening along the lakeshore on the Illinois portion of Lake Michigan? So the rising lake levels, um, in particular, you know, in the wintertime we're experiencing now, it's a time of the year where uh, it's typically stormier, windier, wavier. Um, uh, And that combined with the higher lake levels means that we're going to experience the impact of waves a little more than we would during the rest of the season. The other thing that's uh, particular about the wintertime is um, when the Great Lakes have some ice cover, uh, it helps protect the shoreline from those wind and waves during the stormier part of the part of the year. And this year we are without uh, some of the ice cover that may be typical during uh, past winters. So it's uh, sort of a triple, you know, a triple effect here with high lake level, stormy part of the year, and uh, not much ice cover that uh, may, you know, uh, increase the impact that the waves and wind have along the shoreline. So are we seeing, because of that, are we seeing changes that, that may never be reversed, even as lake levels at some point in the future may go down? So, you know, the shoreline itself, it's it's always changing. And it's um, even, uh, you know, an area like the, the state park where it's not developed, there's area where the shoreline erodes and there's areas where the sand that erodes out is put back in place. And so, so it is an always changing event coastlines in particular, the natural occurrence of all coastlines in the Great Lakes and even on the ocean coast, the shorelines want to be straight. So anytime there's an interruption in that, um, the lake is always going to try to be making the shoreline straight. And so that's just a circumstance that is we want to live along the lake shore and enjoy that and use it for our businesses and recreation. That's just going to be part of, of, of living along the coast. Is there a difference in the way this impacts the Illinois side of the lake, given the fact that you have Chicago all built up and and I'm thinking even many of the northern suburbs have built up along the lakefront? Does that make it different than, say, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, where some of the lake areas are still more rural? So there are differences, um, you know, in that regard, in the built up and not built up. But there's also differences in, in, say, the character, the natural character of the shorelines around the Great Lakes. In some areas, there's natural rock that is outcropping along the coast that helps protect the shoreline. Uh, the geologic materials in some areas might be more stable than in other places. Uh, and so there's no way to directly compare that. The one thing that can be different, though, is, you know, compared to whether you live on the Illinois coast or the Wisconsin coast or Michigan or Indiana, is where you are in, in respect to where, say, the strongest winds are coming from. And so, you know, in particular, in some of the northern parts of the Illinois coast, when the wind is just a little bit east of north, you've got this long distance all the way up through the Lake Michigan, all the way to the Upper Peninsula, where wind can build the waves up across that whole distance. So where you are in respect to the wind direction is is really the, the key here on how it impacts you. So is there anything that can be done to counteract this, or is it just something that we have to deal with? There are measures that can be done to counteract it. You know, there's a tendency to 
want to protect your shoreline. When we do that, when we disrupt the natural way the lake wants to behave, then there can be some other other effects that we do um, uh, with that. I think the one thing that, uh, aside from you know the damage or the uh, impact that the high lake levels and wind and waves can have on the infrastructure and so forth, um, the people need to be aware of the public safety concern. Um, you know, we went from a period from the year about the year 2000 to 2015 when lake level was actually lower than typical, and and we became comfortable perhaps in being close to the water. We had bigger, beach, longer beaches when the lake level was low. We could in, enjoy that more. With lake level up, we need to be aware that um, you know a, a typical day that we might have enjoyed means that waves can get in closer and may be threatening to, you know, getting up on a walkway or a path or a breakwater. So people just really need to be aware that they could be endangering themselves getting too close uh, to the lake edge. And is there a point, maybe it's already happening, is there a point where I'm thinking some of these apartment buildings that are built right along beaches, is there a chance they, those could be threatened? Yes, I, you know, any structure that's on the lake shore, um, depending on how well it's built, how well it's armored, uh, went, went into the design, uh, the water is very powerful, and and uh, there's no you know blanket statement that you could you know state you know across all kinds of structures that are built. Um, but that's uh, there's an awful lot of energy in a in a wave, and uh, both the impact of the wave, but also when the lake level is high, there can be down cutting and scouring down on the lake bottom that can undercut. Uh, you know the foundations or structure, which then can weaken weaken that and and undercut that so that it collapses. As political leaders are talking to you about your research and everything that's going on, they have to be concerned about the economic impact because you have people who come from all over the place for the beaches and just to be able to be along the lakefront. And so as all of this change is going on, well, certain things may not be the same. Yeah, so you know it's a bit of a catch twenty two with high lake levels. Um, you know, that perhaps makes more clearance for uh, sailboaters with keels getting into harbors and marinas and, say, Waukegan Harbor and the need to dredge that on an annual basis. Um, low lake levels might have an impact there. Uh, what we have noticed, you know, in the long-term trend, and when you look back 100 years on through time of where lake level is for any given year, it seems that at the high points, um, so, for example, Lake level hit a historic low in 1963-64. It rose up to a high level, not as high today, by 72-73. But then it's not high very long, and it drops back down. Um, in the past, it's dropped down maybe toward the average. Lake level came back up, hit a historic record high in 1986 or so. Then it dropped back down by 1990. Rose back up 80, 98, 99, not quite where we are today, but then down pretty rapidly within, you know, six months or a year back down to a lower level. And so we'll be really interested to see then, whereas we're nearing or about at the historic high that was last reached in 1986-87, is this going to be sustained or is it going to fall back down? And so maybe this is a a short-term event as we go into spring and summer and we don't have as intense storms. Uh, you know, the lack of ice cover on the lake might also mean there's more evaporation during the winter time. So maybe that'll drive uh, lowering the lake level. The Great Lakes are a big set of water bodies, and it's a big watershed and a collection point for precipitation on the landscape. Uh, it's very difficult to understand how all those things fit together that control the lake level. Um, but hopefully, if if the past is any guide to the future, 
maybe we won't be at a high lake level for a sustained minute time, and that'll give us all a chance to recover and, and repair. I think that's an important reminder. This is really nothing new, rising and falling lake levels. What we're experiencing today isn't different than how the lake has behaved in the past. Uh, and if you do a historic review, look at look at the newspaper articles from 1986, 87. Uh, look at uh, the do some you know look at the articles and photographs from 72, 73, and you'll see similar stories as to what we're experiencing today. And so maybe we can learn something from looking back at how we dealt with it then and what we need to think about and plan for the future. Uh, in, in dealing with this, because we know that Lake Civil is going to fall again, and we know it's also going to rise again. Is there ever anything positive, something that is good that comes about because of rising lake levels? Obviously, people focus on the negative, the lost beaches and walkways and houses. But is there ever anything good that comes out of this? For those that are familiar with the Illinois um, Beach State Park or down in the southern part of the lake uh, there at Indiana Dunes, now it's a national national park. It was a national lakeshore and Indiana Dunes State Park, um, uh, there's a particular landscape that's a record of the, of the history of lake levels in Lake Michigan. Um, there are old beaches that form little ridges. Um, down at Gary, Indiana, there's 150 of these that extend inland uh, quite, quite some distance. And what we have shown in, through the study of geology is that these beach ridges form just after a high lake level. And these beach ridges actually then can move. This sounds very contradictory, but we can actually see this happening at the south part of the state park where new land is being created from the erosion of the north. And um, the beach ridges then, in particular, in this landscape at the state park, is a unique ecological setting. And the wetlands that are in between the beach ridges we call swales host different plants and wildlife. It is the rise and fall of the lake levels is a part of a natural cycle that sustains some kinds of habitat for uh, flora and fauna. We've heard from several scientists. Now let's hear from a homeowner on Lake Michigan. Andy Shaw is the longtime Channel 7 political reporter, also the former head of the Better Government Association. You've heard him in a variety of capacities on WBBM for many years. Andy has a home along the Lake Michigan shoreline in southern Michigan, southwestern Michigan. Andy, what has it been like to watch this as a homeowner? What have you been seeing? Let me give you a disclaimer to begin with. I'm not a meteorologist or a scientist or a climate climatologist or a geologist, but I have some anecdotal knowledge having lived on that lakefront two or three or four days a week for the last 40 years. I've watched the lake level go up and down. When we bought a place there in 1992, we'd been renting for a number of years, We bought a place and we had one foot of beach. In other words, the the waves came all the way up and there was one foot of beach. My wife said, kiddingly, we had 173 square feet of beachfront, 173 (laughs) feet long, one foot wide. That was my math. Over the years, with warm winters and limited precipitation, that beach grew to be as wide as 100 feet between the dune and and the waves. Now we're back to anywhere between zero feet again and 20 or 30 feet. But the real problem has been the erosion of the dune, which has been pushed back by the by the very heavy waves and the storms. 
10, 15 feet. And, and what used to be a kind of a gradual rise in the dune, the sands along there, is now like 10-foot cliffs where you can't even see the houses. Some of it's easily explained by weather and weather in two ways. When the lake freezes over in the winter, you have a limited amount of uh, evaporation of water because it's covered. And when you have a lot of rain, you have a lot of water coming into the lake. So if the if the winters are super cold and the lake freezes over, then you get less evaporation and the level is higher. When you have a lot of precipitation, it goes higher because of water. In the last couple of years, we've had an extraordinary amount of both. Both of the last two winters were cold and the lake froze over. Both of the last two years were either record or near record rainfall levels. So you combine the freeze and the amount of rain and you have the lake at extraordinarily high levels. Now, if you talk to the Army Corps of Engineers or other people who are real experts, they'll tell you there are things going on in the St. Lawrence River way up north or superior dumping down into the lower lakes, something with dams or whatever. And I'm sure there's other explanations, but I'm aware of the two that affect uh, my beach the most, along with some very, what I've noticed that the other big difference is the violence of the storms is relatively unparalleled. You know, if you don't spend time on Lake Michigan, you don't really understand that it's as powerful in many ways as an ocean. And even though we don't have seiches and tsunamis, we have enormous uh, wind and storms that kick you with wind of 40, 50 miles an hour, waves 10, 15, 20 feet high, kind of like what overruns Lakeshore Drive a couple times a year. And those are the ones that come, that bring the water so far up with such force that they basically attack and eat away at the dunes. We've had more of those with more power than any other year I remember in the past couple of years. As we've been discussing, rising lake levels on Lake Michigan are causing all sorts of problems. But there are other water issues away from the lakeshore Flooding on the Mississippi River and its tributaries throughout Illinois in the Midwest caused an estimated $6.2 billion in damage, and that is just in 2019. Those numbers come from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Thanks for joining us for this week's WBBM In-Depth podcast. Join us next week for an in-depth look at the Chicago Auto Show, which is happening at McCormick Place. Be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday. And, of course, listen anytime to the stories that matter by listening to WBBM on the Radio.com app or on your radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cogan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.